Super excited. Hey, if I've never met you, my name is Tony, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that you've joined us. Hey, there's going to be a bunch of people watching it online later this week, so let's welcome all of them with us, too. Fired up that you've joined us. Way to go. Well, hey, like I said, we're in week two of a series that we're calling Shatterproof. Shatterproof. And here's the, here's the reason why we did this series. There are a few areas in our lives that are far too important to let break. Far too important. Uh, in the past few months, we've talked about uh, areas of our lives like marriage and relationships. We've actually did a series back in October on family, saying, oh man, family, you can't have that one shattered. The wake of that one is just too heavy. Uh, hope, that's a huge area in our lives that we got to just make sure these things are shatterproof. And then we said, you know what, an area that is talked about all throughout the pages of Scripture that a lot of churches never hit on is our money. It's our finances. It's what we do. It's how we navigate this this big area of each and every one of our lives is how do you deal with our finances? How do, you, how do you position yourself to honor God in a way that really makes this thing in each and every one of our lives shatterproof? Now, why is that important? I mean, why your money? Why does it got to be something that is shatterproof? It's because the wake of poor decisions lasts too long. The hurt that happens with misused or abused finances are too great. And so we said we're going to spend three weeks Three weeks intentionally looking at how do we honor God with our money? How do we shatterproof this area? And we think it's so important that we said, you know what? We're going to issue a 90-day tithe challenge. Last week, that was kind of the big one. We said, you know what we're going to do? We want to ask each and every one of you who've maybe never taken a step of faith in this area of honoring God with your money, we said, hey, we're gonna give you an on-ramp. We're gonna allow you to kind of test drive this one. You give, you sign up online, you try it out, and if God doesn't come through, we'll write you a check back for every single dime that you've given. We just wanna give you permission to start kind of tiptoeing into this thing, making sure that we're moving towards God in this area. Now, we said this last week, kind of simply, that in order to shatterproof your finances, we got to get one move really dialed in, and the move is to put God first. It's to make sure that he's in first place with everything that we have. So, hey, God, we're going to make the move of saying, I'm not first. You know, my kids aren't first in my money, my, my house and my bills, even my debt's not first. God, you're first. I'm going to honor you first. And we talked about one word, and it's the word that sums up the move of putting God first, and the word was tithe. Tithe. It doesn't even sound very good to say. It's just like, oh, it just kind of gives us all kind of like the weirdos, you know, and like tithe. And we said, that word, though, is that move. It's putting God in first place. The tithe literally means to return to God the first 10% of our income. It's trusting God with the first and our best so that he can bless the rest. It's really just making sure that move. Now, we also said this. We understand that a lot of you are maybe new to church, or a lot of you are maybe going, you know what, I haven't done that in the past, so it doesn't even feel kind of normal. And, and for most of us who are followers of Jesus, who have stepped over the faith line, we even kind of go, yeah, I get it. I mean, all of us, we try and put God in first place in all areas of our lives. We, we try and do this with every single area of our lives. And so when I say, yeah, we should put God in first place of our finances, most of us in the room go, uh-huh, I understand, but why does it take a while for it to kind of kick in? It's because I think what's normal for Jesus followers to do oftentimes takes a while for it to become natural. What's normal oftentimes takes a while for it to become natural. Think of any area in our Christian lives, areas like serving, 
We, we kind of have on board for people to serve all the time. And if you haven't served here at City Point or you're not involved in that capacity, I'd say, come on, get involved. We have lots of room for you to kind of move this ball forward and play a part here at City Point. But this one is very true, very similar to what tithing means. A lot of people go, yeah, that's normal. I get it. If you're following Jesus, yeah, I should probably serve. Save people, serve people. It's just what I should do. Now, it takes a while for people to do it. Why? Because what's normal takes a while before it becomes natural. The same is true for this word called evangelism, for us sharing our faith. That's normal. We go, yeah, we probably should go out and invite other people in. We should probably be a church that says, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome here. But why is that hard for us to live that out practically in our lives? It's because what's normal oftentimes takes a while before it becomes natural. The same is true with our money. Same is true with moving God into first place in our finances, going, God, I'm going to trust you. It's maybe not going to be easy, but God, I'm going to have the understanding, and we're going to have the understanding in here so there's no weird feelings that it might take a while for each and every one of us to develop this natural feeling towards this. It's taken me a long time, and it's taken Carrie a long time, my wife, and I'm saying this, though. When we started giving God our first and our best, he actually did bless the rest. He actually did show up and provide every single time. And actually in our uh, life group, Carrie and I are in a life group, uh, the title of the life group is really kind of ironic. I think it kind of sums up my life, but it's weird. That's the title of the group. It's weird. And so every week I kind of w- welcome, hey, welcome to the weirdo life group study, you know, and, and nobody else laughs just like you don't because nobody likes to be called weird. But this last week, ironically, uh, the, the kind of the study of the, the evening was on money. And there was a family there that kind of mentioned this. They said, you know what, tithing? She said, it's less, of a, it's less of like a money issue. It's more of a trust issue. And I, just, I was like, you're absolutely right. I mean, when it comes to giving God, returning to God what he's blessed us with, it's, it's really less of a money issue. I mean, all of us can probably figure out the dollars and cents of this one without me helping you do that. It's more of a trust issue. Going, God, am I really going to trust you? And so before I dive in today, I just wanted to kind of make sure we kind of rounded out last week by saying, trust, trusting in God, positioning ourselves to, to kind of make sure that he's somebody who's worth trusting in all areas of our lives. Honestly, that's the safest, best, best way that you can live life. If you position yourself that you go, I'm going to have to trust God in this. I'm going to have to trust God in that. I'm going to have to trust God in my marriage. I'm going to have to trust God with my kids. When you do that, I'm telling you what, that is the very best position you can put yourself in, is to trust God. And so when it comes to money, it's the same way. You might feel like, oh man, yeah, it's, it's less of like a eh, you know, dollars and cents issue. It's more about, do I really trust that God will show up? Do I really trust that if I give to God, that he's going to make sure that I'm going to be okay? And when you get that dialed in, I'm telling you what, that move of giving back to God, returning back to him, it becomes so much easier when you build the trust muscles in your life. So here's what I also think is true about God. I, I, he asks us to return the first 10, but he doesn't ask us to be stupid with the other 90. That's what's so good about God. He, he doesn't say, well, you return back to me the first 10 and then just blow the other 90. I mean, just go, go crazy. No, he goes, I actually want you to use your brains. I want you to actually figure this one out so you can honor me with all your money. You want the best life possible? You want the best possible financial picture for your life? Shatterproof your finances? Then put me first and then honor me with the rest. Put me first, trust me with that part. 
And as you do, I'll help you navigate how to work out the rest of the 90. And so today, I really want to do a message that focuses in primarily on the rest of the 90. The, the title of your message, you can see this on your notes, is, is Act Your Wage. Act Your Wage. Not Act Your Age. We've all heard that. I actually sometimes get that confused with my last name because I've heard it so much. Hey, Tony, Act Your Wage. And I'm like, is that my name or is that like a phrase? And again, it's not funny to you. I thought it was going to be more funny to me. Just this last Friday, I'm going to tell you a story anyways, even though you didn't laugh right away. Because you heard my feelings, so I'm going to tell you. Anyway, this last Friday, we were taking our staff, uh, uh, we, we took a trip down to Missouri, and we were on our way back home. And there's a fireworks, I hope this is okay to share your pastor. Right. There's, there's a fireworks shop right on the border of Iowa and Missouri, and so we stopped in. It's called Sheldon or Shelton, or I don't remember the name. It's just this huge building. We stop in. I'm like, you know figuring out all these cool fireworks that my kids like, you know, like all these cool looking sparklers. I'm not going to lie, I got a couple Roman candles that I plan on shooting my brother with that 4th of July, you know, but like just had a ton of fun getting some stuff and got home and to my surprise, Carrie wasn't very thrilled that I spent 15 bucks on fireworks, you know, like shocker. And, uh, but I remember that night being like, we better test some of these bad boys out. Well, ironically, it was not 80 degrees like it was in Missouri when we left, and so it was freezing outside, and I thought, you know what, this is, this is a bad idea to have to bundle up all of our girls to go outside, so I just thought, and I just, just casually said this, Carrie's walking out of the, out of the bedroom, I said, I tell my girls, I was like, we'll just try it in here in the, in, you know, in the kitchen. And so, and I just could see her walking, and she didn't give me the eyes quite yet, and I just pull out this one, it's just kind of like a cone-looking thing, and it's like sparkler shoot-up. I mean, nothing crazy. I'm like, and it just, it really went through my brain. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? We won't have to bundle up and go outside. We'll just light this sucker right here. And just literally, I'm not kidding, the words that came over, like, Tony, are you serious? That's all she had to say, like, are you serious? She's like, we have kids five and under. You don't even blow up the house in front of them. What she was basically saying was, Tony, act your age. You're 31. You should be above this stuff by now. But the truth is, if we want to shatterproof our finances, we got to start acting not our age. It's start acting our wage. What's the wage that you take in? And start acting like that. Start acting your wage. Now, for Carrie and I, we've tried to do this to the best of our abilities since the day we got married. Since the day we got married. We said, you know, we don't, we don't want to try and, and, you know, spend more than we make. We, we know the simple math of that. But there's really been three values that have helped us do this. Three values that really have helped us drive home this acting your wage sort of mindset that I want to share with you today. Three values, really, that I believe to the core of my being, that if we embrace them, you put God first and you embrace these values, I'm telling you what, I believe you can shatterproof your finances. You can make sure that God's honored and that the 90 that you have to steward is done in a way that God goes right on. I can bless that. So three values, if you're a note taker, you can jot this down. The first value is embrace the value of self-control. Embrace the value of self-control. I think most people don't have an income problem. They have a lifestyle problem. They have a spending problem. There's actually a quote that we heard in our study uh, just this last week. Most people don't have an income problem. They have a spending or lifestyle problem. 
They need to embrace the value of self-control. This is kind of what this is summed up as being. I can actually still remember sitting down almost 10 years ago with the premarital counselor that was going to marry Carrie and I a few months later. This guy was named Brian Spitzer, Pastor Brian Spitzer. And we sat through, Carrie and I, six hour-long sessions. I mean, these things were painful for a guy, you know, like, oh, man, we got to talk about this. We talked about values, about family backgrounds, about conflict. You want to know what he talked about conflict? He said, there's going to be two enormous fights, Tony, that you're going to have to embrace. One is you're going to have to understand anytime you have an argument that Carrie wins. And on holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, and, you know, Easter, and he's like, Carrie gets first dibs. And I'm like, well, what about me? And he goes, you get Groundhog's Day and things like Fourth of July and St. Patty's. He's like, just understand that. It's going to make your life so much easier if you just embrace that. And I'm going, what's the next session? And then ironically, the next time we sat down for an hour, he spent an hour talking to us about money. He said, if you want to have a marriage that honors God, you want to have a marriage that you guys enjoy being with each other, he said, you want to figure this one out. And he got real serious. I mean, the other ones, family backgrounds, trying to figure out all this type of stuff, meshing, that was easy. But he goes, you want to know one of the first things that tanks a marriage? He said, a couple who doesn't know how to navigate their money. Fights happen, and then people start being secretive, and they start spending stuff that they don't have, and then shortly after that, they make a couple big moves that aren't very good, and they just start to split up. And Carrie and I just remember sitting there going, we, we don't want that story. We don't want it, and you don't want that story. But I remember the very next thing he said after he kind of got us real serious, he goes, hey, the best advice that I could give you, the absolute best advice I could give you, is don't pretend you can live like your parents live right now. And I remember being like, what? He goes, your parents, 40, 45, 50 years old, they've had that long to get what they've been given. They've had that long to save up, to acquire, to get the flat screen TV, to have the nice furniture, to have the cars that they drive. They said, and he just looked at it, he's like, you're two college morons. You know? He said, don't pretend like the minute you graduate, you can have all that stuff. And I just remember thinking, that is brilliant. I mean, that is absolutely unfortunate for us. <laughs> But it's just brilliant. He's like, you've just spent four years living like the poorest people on the planet Earth in college. You know, ramen noodles and just junk. He's like, live like that for another couple and you will never regret it. What he was saying is embrace the value of self-control. Embrace that one. Just own the fact that what your parents have is not what you should have right now. Embrace the value of self-control. And if you do that, it'll be better for you. And so you want to know what was a reality for us? is Carrie and I graduated school with around 50 to 60, I don't remember how much, $1,000 in student loan debt. I mean, we had a bunch. It was a big deal. I mean, it was not easy right out of college, but early on, this is just, we thought this was earth-shattering. You know, we just said, you know what we want to do? We'll live on my income, and every dime of hers we'll put to our student loans. And we just tried it. And people thought we were idiots. I mean, some of my, my peers who graduated school got jobs and started buying a new car, and they bought flat-screen TVs, and they had all the fun toys. I mean, here we are. We're in a $400 apartment. Literally has bats screaming at our, you know, inside, inside the walls. And we're going, what are we doing? We both have jobs. Our careers are off, and we're living like we lived the last four years of our lives. 
Carrie actually drove this car. I'll put it on the screen for you. How about that for a screaming car? This is a 1992 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme with 200,000 miles on it. This was her car. She drove that into the first few years of our marriage. Now that, just so you know, some of you are like, maybe some of you are like, that's a nice car. <laughs> first, uh, Carrie's in a sorority. That is not that nice of a car for a sorority chick, man. She, like, she would have much rather been in like a Mazda Miata. Something, but, but we said, you know what? Instead of getting a car loan, let's just drive that one. You know, we've had it. I was lucky enough to, to have my car paid off in college, and we just drove that one until it died. I mean, it had an enormous deer rear end butt print right in the front, you know, of this thing. And we just said, you know, we're going to drive it until it dies so that we can maybe pay cash for the next car, and we can maybe pay cash for the next one. And we'll just see if we can embrace this value of self-control. The couch that we had for the first few years of our marriage was the same couch that my stinky roommate, Dan, <laughs> Dan and uh, Mike slept on in college. This is maroon-covered you know, couch, it's just gross, but we just said, whatever. We're just gonna embrace this value of self-control now. And I'm telling you what, I think all of you guys are getting this. Now, in the Bible, it actually says this in Proverbs. This is an incredible verse. It says, some who are poor actually pretend to be rich. Isn't that true? Some people who are poor actually pretend to be rich. And, and don't get me wrong, pretending's really fun. Again, when I was down in Missouri this last week, it was nice out, like 70 or 80 degrees. There was a couple times that I was out playing basketball with my brother, and I was pretending to be Michael Jordan or Steph Curry. And, and then what I learned is you can only pretend for a few minutes before you start to realize that you're not those guys. But pretending's fun for a little bit. But it's really not fun with your finances. Some people pretend to be rich. It's fun for a little bit. It's fun to pretend like you can afford a house that you can't really afford. Until you can't really afford it, then it's not fun anymore. It's fun to pretend that you can buy all the things that maybe your parents had when you first got married and then you have to actually pay for them, then it's really not fun anymore. It says poor people, they pretend to be rich. It's kind of fun to do that for a little while. But it kind of just dawned on me, pretending's really fun for kids. It's not very fun for adults. And that's a big one for us to embrace, is the value of self-control. It's this this value that drives home. Listen to this other verse in Proverbs 25, 28. It says, a person without it, a person without self-control, it's like a city with broken down walls. And the truth is nobody wants to live in a city that has no protection. Nobody wants to go through life with their finances and have no protection, no security. This verse is literally saying, develop some self-control so you can have protection from unnecessary temptations. Do you really need that nicer car? Self-control, figure it out. Do you really need that bigger TV? Self-control, do you really need that brand of shampoo? Self-control, do you really need that item on the sales rack? Self-control, I mean, when are you gonna need this stuff? Ladies, it might be for you when you're shopping. When you see the bright red tag that says sale, and you come home and say, look at all the money I saved. And I'm like, did you save anything in your account? Or did it actually spend? Guys, just to be quite honest, we usually kill ourselves with like one or two shots. It's like, honey, I bought a timeshare. You know, like, sorry, I bought a boat. And it's just like one and done. It's like, it's not a slow bleed at all for us guys. It's like, <laughs> we're just dead. You know, it's just, 
and I'm learning with kids, man, that's hard. Micah just the other day said, hey, Dad, can I have a phone? I'm like, you're five. You're five. You, you should not even know phones exist. I'm like, five, are you kidding me? But one of the suckers that I get drawn into is when we're at a store, Micah knows this, and this is so painful for me because I know I have like four others that I'm going to have to deal with. She'll go up and see something at Walmart, a toy or whatever, and she'll just look at me with her puppy eyes and go, Dad, there's probably no way you can get that for me. <laughs> and like everything as a man is like, you better get two of those things. We're getting those. And then I put it on my debit card, and Carrie's like, where was the 40 bucks you just blew? I was like, Micah dared me. She's like, she's five. And I'm like, I know. So I'm not saying I'm better. I'm going, we got to embrace this value of self-control. We have to. Why? Because if we don't, we end up spending more money on things that we shouldn't. So we're going to ask these type of questions. Real humbly, we're each going to ask these questions when it comes to the things that we buy. We're going to say, do I really need that? Do I really need it? Do I really need that shampoo? <laughs> yeah, it's a couple of salon ladies down here. Yes, you do. <laughs> do I really need to play golf twice a week? Do I really? I know, I know. Some of you are like, oh, you just did that. Don't worry, yours is coming if I didn't get you yet. Do I really need that coffee drink? Five bucks. Do I really need that one? Do I really need my 10-year-old to have a data plan? Do I really need that? Do I really need a brand new car? Or could I, could I, could I save up for a while and pay cash for something a little bit less and not have a payment? What are we going to do? How are we going to navigate trusting God with the first 10 and then allowing God to bless the next 90 is we're going to first embrace the value of self-control. Number two is this. We're going to not only embrace the value of self-control, we're going to embrace the value of sacrifice. Now, why sacrifice? Why has it got to sound so painful? It's because you don't get self-control unless you have a big dose of sacrifice. Unless you can really understand sacrifice, you can't really embrace self-control. I mean, this only works together. Sacrifice literally means this. It means giving up something you love for something you love even more. Something you love even more. Uh, I got this quote from a person I don't even know. It says this. Uh, Some of you are going to learn to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your lives. It's this value of sacrifice. I kind of summed it up and kind of dumbed it down for myself. We're going to say no for the now and yes for the rest. Sacrifice. What are you going to say no to right now? You're going to say, no, I don't need cable TV right now so I can have a debt-free Christmas in 2017. I'm going to say no now so I can say yes later. That's what this value is all about. Now, Jesus modeled this perfectly. He modeled it so perfect. He gave up something that he loved for something that he loved more. And I'm telling you what, if we want to embrace this value, we get to know Jesus more and we'll get a whole lot more of it. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 about this. It says, if you want sacrifice, here's what you do. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You just lock eyes with him. He knows all about it. He knows what it's like to give up his rights 
for somebody else's. He knows. He goes on to say this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross right now. What that verse is really saying is, because you were later, he did what he needed to do right then. He embraced the value of sacrifice. So like I said, some of you are going to say today, you're going to go, man, I'm going to say no now so I can say yes later. I'm going to cancel cable now so I can give my kids something that they want at Christmas. Other ways that you're going to do is you're going to maybe downgrade your house. I know that seems so crazy, but some of you maybe are living too far beyond your means. You're going to go, I can't do that right now. I can't do the things that I really believe God is asking me to do. So I might have to move to a smaller house, get my payments under control, downgrade, sell the car, make a dramatic move financially so I can honor God with the 90 that he wants me to. Some of you women in the room would love to stay at home with your kids but all the things that are going on for you financially, you, you just can't. And some of you are going, oh man, I wish I could say yes to that now. And I would lean in and go, you might not be able to, but some of you are choosing to say yes to other things that's hindering you being able to say Yes to the very thing that you want to do. Now, for some of you, you're going, that's not even for me. I would rather do something different. Some of you would rather be able to pay cash for a car to upgrade your house, and you're saying yes to smaller things that's hindering you from the very thing that you want to do. So you're going to learn the value of sacrifice, of saying no to things that you love and like for, so that you can say yes to things that you love and like more. So, big question is, what would you be willing to sacrifice for something that you know you want more? Could you give up the daily intake of caffeine so that you could better get a grip on your financial picture? Could you choose to spend on off-brand cereal or off-brand, name it, so that you could find more financial margin so you could pay off debt quicker. It's sacrifice. Yep, it's not exactly what you want now, but boy, what you could have later will be so much better if you embrace the first two values. Self-control and sacrifice. Now, I'll just remind you before we go and give you the third one, that when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to self-control, again, it's more of a trust issue. It's less of a financial issue. It's more of going... God, do I really trust that if I were to honor you with my money, do I, if I really trusted that I, if I put you first, that it would be better for me? I'm telling you, the more we can move to trusting God, the better it is for our lives. So what are we going to do? We're going to embrace two values. Number one is self-control. Number two is sacrifice. And the third value is embrace the value of planning. Embrace the value of planning. This is a big deal. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is, has kind of found out there's a crowd gathering him, and, and uh, they're kind of following him around everywhere he goes. And, and he gets to a spot where he's noticing that the crowd is ever increasingly getting larger, and people maybe are just kind of following just to follow. And so he kind of draws a line in the sand. He gets a little kind of blunt with some of the people that are just kind of tagging along just for the show. He says, Some of you need to count the cost. 
So some of you who are following me, you need to, you need to have a gut check moment. Are you going to step across the faith line and kind of go all in with me? Or are you going to just kind of be somebody who sits on the sideline? Listen to actually what he says in Luke 14. It says this, verse 28, it says, don't begin, really what he's saying, don't begin to follow me until you count the cost. Until you plan. Do you really know what this is going to mean? He says, for who? And then he uses a metaphor here. He says, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? What I think Jesus was getting at here is, you have a brain. You can think through what this is going to mean for you. And I think it translates into our money as well. God's given us the ability to plan, to think, to count the cost when it comes to things that we're going to purchase or what we're going to do with our finances. And so I think Jesus would say, if you want to put me first, honor me with the first 10, but then embrace the value of planning when it comes to the rest. Embrace this one. Proverbs 21 verse 5 kind of paints it pretty clearly. It says, good planning and hard work, it leads to something. It leads to prosperity. That's what good planning does and hard work. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And poverty, I think, can be translated into debt. Just be drowning in this thing called debt. And what I think all of us know is you can wander into debt. I mean, you can like trip into debt, but you can't trip your way out. And so you're going to need some good planning. You're going to need to figure out how to plan for this one. And Jesus would affirm it and go, absolutely you are. Now if I can kind of give you one life-changing word when it comes to this thing called planning. Again, it is not sexy at all. I mean, it is like a, are you serious? You even brought that up? Kind of sounds like a cuss word in financial stuff. The word is budget. Woof. Who likes that word? Man, but I'm telling you what, if you want to do, if you want the best with the 90% that you're supposed to steward, the one word that has been carrying eyes, saving grace, has been doing our best to budget. Doesn't even sound, man, I hate even talking about it. It's just not fun. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give each and every one of you a budget when you leave. And some of you are like, no, I don't want that. I'm going to go take it home, all right? Somebody spent a long time putting our core value on the front of this thing. Take that thing home and do it. Now, here's what a budget looks like. Some of you have never done it before, and I don't blame you because it's painful, all right? This is not fun. This is like choosing where you're going to go for holidays with your spouse. It is just as bad as doing a budget. But here's what a budget does. A budget actually allows you to see where your money's going. It actually allows you to see how you're planning, where your dollars are going. So real quickly, and you're going to be able to see this, we, we gave you a sample budget of just some numbers we put in here of income and, and your tithe and your saving, where you're, how much you're spending on your house and your mortgage and, and your utilities and what's the normal cost for your, your, your student loan or your credit card, how much you're spending on restaurants or your groceries, and, and you calculate how much you spent this last month in clothing or your car. How much are you spending in gas or oil changes? And then you go through your personal health and life insurance and all those things. And what you're going to do is you're going to look back over the last two months. And you're going to figure out. This is easy now. You're going to go on U.S. Bank or Community First or Federation or Washington. I mean, Kelowna's got a bunch of different banks too. I'm trying to cover them all here. You're going to go and you're going to look back on your records. 
And you're going to see where did you spend money these last couple months, and you're going to write them down, and then what you're going to do is pretty sobering. You're going to buy your spouse a nice beverage that they like to do, and you're going to go, how much do we actually have? What do we actually bring in? And you're going to look at what you spent, and then you're going to start piecing in what you have. You're going to start figuring out where your money's going. And when you're done with the budget, here's what you're going to do. You want your, your bottom two numbers to equal zero. So if you bring in, the example here is $3,500. You want your number of what you spend, where your money goes, to be $3,500. Well, why do you want it to equal zero? It's because money just doesn't fly away randomly. You put it places. So if you want to save, then you need to budget saving. If you want to give, you need to budget giving. Money just doesn't disappear. It, some people, oh, my money's just gone. I don't know where it went. No, you put it somewhere. That's where it went. And when you budget, you learn where you put your money. You learn where you put your money. Now, again, I know that's not super fun, but I'm telling you, one of the best gifts that we can give you this weekend is begging you. Spend some time. If you're married, literally go out on a date. You're going to need it because it's going to get, there's going to be some interesting conversations. You're going to do some ground rules, no yelling, throwing, or eye gouging. We are just going to do the budget. I know that from personal experience. It's bad, okay? If you're single, you're going to go, man, spend some time. Go to a cabin. Just get away and do some research. Figure this thing out. Why? Because I'm telling you what, when you put God first, you start trusting him with your first 10. And then you embrace these next three values. You're on your way to shatterproofing your finances. Now, I want to show you a video real quick. It's of a couple here in our church, Trevor and Alyssa Rich. They're amazing people. They serve almost every single weekend here. And they have been putting God first for a while now. And they've seen the payoff in their day-to-day -day finances. So check this video out, and then I'll wrap us up. I feel like there's lots of things that have, um, not just financially, but other things that have worked out um, in our favor, and I feel like that's, it can only be God's doing, and I feel like our tithing has been our way of showing God that we respect Him and respect what He's given us, and we are thankful for what He's given us. Yeah, yeah the opportunities and talents that he's given to us um, make it worth you know showing that um, we're willing to give back a portion of that so I'm Trevor and I'm Alyssa and we've been attending City Point Church for about a year and a half now and have been married for almost six years we also have a daughter named Paisley and I work at Syngenta Seeds here in Washington and I manage a feed mill for JWB Pork in Washington. I volunteer on the setup team. And I volunteer with Kids Point and do check-in on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I, think, I think we started giving because um, Alyssa's parents were the big inspiration in that and teaching us that that was a biblical thing to do um, as far as tithing goes. And so we started slow at first and gave some. We weren't totally committed to it, but we've, we've grown more faithful to it over the years and as we've been married and stuff. And uh, we're still not perfect, but we 
we try and be faithful to it as much as we can. So. Okay. Um, I started giving when I turned 14 and I got a job. And I had given a little before then when I was just babysitting, but it was more consistent when I actually had a full-time, not full-time, but part-time job. And then um, went to college and the giving kind of fell off and I didn't give as much and then kind of picked back up again when we got married and made a joint decision that we were going to try and give 10% of our income back to the church. We decided to start giving at City Point because that is what we were felt uh, called to do and that's what the Bible says. So we started giving and We've seen the blessings from it, so we've continued to give and obeyed what God wants us to do. Through the time that we have been faithful to our giving, that we've always had enough, been provided for, um, had the opportunities to um, make things work or make decisions that have been good for both of us and uh, our family, so. I'll just say that it it's not easy at first because it doesn't feel, I mean, it's hard to give up your money, but um, I feel like it's a lot easier now. I mean, it just feels natural after you do it for so long, so it's hard to take the first step, but once you could just get yourself in a habit, then it's easier to give, and it just feels like what you're supposed to do, and. You're supposed to give that back to God because he will use it to find other people. Friends, I'm telling you what, I love that video because it drives home the point that if you just trust God, it might take a while for it to become natural, but you trust God, you put him first, he'll take care of you. This morning, as I was reading in my 15 minutes with God, uh, there's a verse in Psalm 16, it grabbed me. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I know he's always with me. You want to know what that is? I can trust him. I can trust God. He's always with me. I don't have to wonder if I, if I take a step, if I give, you know, is God going to show up? Is he really going to take care of me? He's going to take care of you. He's always with you. And then it goes on to say this. I will not be shaken. I'm not going to be shaken for he is right beside me. I'm wondering, if you're in the room and you've never experienced God being close because you've never trusted him with this enormous area in your life called your money. Your money might be a distance barrier between you and God right now and maybe he's leaning in going, would you just trust me? Would you just take a step of faith? Would you honor me? Would you put me first and just see what I'll do in your life? And the scripture says, test me. See if I won't provide, is what God says. Just try me out. I triple dog dare you, is what God's saying. Now I understand. For some of you, you're going, man, that's gonna mean some serious faith on my end. I'm gonna need some faith to trust God in this area. And I go, you better believe you are. You're gonna to need to ask God to increase your faith as you step out and he answers those types of prayers. 
You say, hey God, today I want to trust you more with my life. I want to trust you with a very sensitive, enormous area that I'm not sure I can even handle on my own. But God, you're asking me to put it in your hands. You're going to need some faith. So I want to wrap this message up by singing a song together. It's called Give Me Faith to Trust What You Say. And I just wonder during this song if some of you are going to feel prompted and God's going to speak to you and go, I need you to take a step of faith. I need you to start trusting me with your finances. I need you to embrace some values today. Well, God, I might need, I might need faith. And he's going to go, I'll give you that. I'll give you the faith if you're willing to step. Would you stand and I'll pray and we'll sing this out. God, thanks so much for, again for today. Thanks for a chance to learn a little bit more about what it's like to put you first in this area and then how to navigate the rest. God, thanks for being a God that we can trust. Thanks for being a God that speaks. God, today would we trust what you say. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can sing it out with us.